Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Many of our previous guests on Eyes on Success have talked about how important it is to have your documents created so that they look nice to others. That can have a large impact on how they're received by peers and colleagues and others that you're sending these documents to. We'll speak with David Kingsbury, assistive technology instructor at the Carroll Center for the Blind, about his new book that describes how Word can be used with a screen reader to format documents most effectively. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from David Kingsbury. One thing uh, that I think is hopefully unique about this book is that it fills a gap for students because... I just don't think there's anywhere where a blind student can go other than this book to sort of succinctly find out for a Word document, okay, what are your requirements for APA formatting or MLA formatting or Chicago formatting, and how do you do it with a program like JAWS? Uh, One example where these programs are all sticklers is on headers, you know, putting headers in documents, you know, the uh, text above the top margin. And that is not something that you can just sort of intuitively figure out on your own. You need somebody to guide you through it. Uh, You would never guess how to do a header figuring out on your own. So I go through that as well as, you know, what are the specific requirements if you're a student and you have to do an APA paper for uh, social sciences or an MLA paper or a Chicago paper for humanities and the like. So where it matters, I've paused and I've said, okay, this is what you need to do if you're going to do this as an APA paper or an MLA paper. You know, so I do that for you know, the font formatting, for the headers, for the table formatting, and for the bibliographies, for a number of those things. And again, I don't think there's any one place where, other than here, where a student can find those types of things. Well, that's very handy. And this is really a great resource because, particularly if you're using a screen reader or Braille, you don't catch all of that formatting and font changes and highlighting and all the things that are important to people who are visually seeing these documents are looking at. And it makes a big impression on people how it looks. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... The Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2019 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu nvc. And the deadline for that is coming up pretty soon, so if you're interested, you should look into it pretty soon. For information about having an audio promotional item for your organization or service appear in the show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Let's start by meeting David and learning about the Carroll Center for the Blind. My name is uh, David Kingsbury, 
and I am an assistive technology instructor at the Carroll Center for the Blind, which is in Newton, Massachusetts, and that's about uh, five miles just outside of uh, Boston. And do you have a visual impairment yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally blind. I became blind about uh, 15 years ago um, as a result of uh, physical trauma. So I went from, you know, fully sighted to totally blind overnight, which I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, that had to be pretty much of a shock to the system. Uh, yeah, it was a major shock and, you know, took me a few years to get over it. And part of that story is, is going to the Carroll Center for the blind myself, because I've seen the place from both aspects as both a trainee and now as a trainer. So I've got both of those perspectives. What kinds of things did you learn in your training at the Carroll Center? One thing that I was exposed to at the Carroll Center is just the whole array of, you know, all the things that blind people do and can do if, if they just know about those things. That's sort of your overall um, theme. So I was exposed to that initially at the Carroll Center, and that's had a huge impact on me. And I know it has a big impact on all the folks we have come through there. What does the Carroll Center do overall? Well, the Carroll Center does you know, rehabilitation uh, for blind people. Um, we deal with people from all ages, but it's mainly people who become blind um, you know, midway through life, just dealing with the whole adjustment process. So we have a number of programs. One of the main ones is uh, independent living that you know, deals with mobility, independent living around the house, some technology, some Braille. And it's also a residential program. So at any given time, there may be 15 to 20 people uh, residing at the Carroll Center uh, going through their training. And which facets of that do you train people in? Well, like I say, rehab is one of the programs. I'm in a separate program that is in a technology department. So I deal exclusively with uh, intensive technology training. And that's primarily JAWS with Windows uh, and the PC. Uh, we also do some iPhone and so on, do a little bit of, of Mac, but, it, but it's mainly PC with Microsoft Office and so on. And I will typically train people. It might be two weeks. It might be as much as six weeks. We also have a summer program called Computing for College, which is for, you know, high schoolers and college freshmen and the like, you know, to deal with the technology challenges of going to school. But we also deal with uh, with all ages. I've trained people as young as 14, and I think my oldest was 92. So really um, run the gamut there. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is David's new book that describes how Word can be used with a screen reader to format documents most effectively. In many of our previous episodes of Eyes on Success, we've talked with blind professionals and the importance of formatting documents and letters properly so that sighted colleagues tend to think that these things look professional and came from someone who is sighted. And so we were particularly intrigued with your book that addresses a lot of these issues to make sure that blind individuals can have their documents and manuscripts look professional. And you wrote a book about that. Can you start by telling us the name of that book? Yeah. The title of the book is Format Your Word Documents 
with JAWS and NVDA, a guide for students and professionals. And I wanted to make sure to cover both the angle of, of professionals or just people who are putting together Word documents in general, as well as students, because, you know, there are different challenges for both groups. But, you know, what I've found for many of my clients or many of my students have come in and, you know, maybe they've been working on Word documents uh, from a visually impaired point of view for a number of years, but they're not entirely confident that what they're putting together is visually what it should be. So I sort of tried to put this book together in a way from soup to nuts, all the different things that you need to consider. And who did you get to publish this book? The book was jointly published by the National Braille Press and the Carroll Center for the Blind. What are some of the aspects of formatting a document that you cover in the book? From the most basic formatting, uh, such as font formatting, paragraph formatting, to more complex things like tables and some of the proofing tools that exist uh, that you can use to help check that. And, and JAWS in particular, NVDA also, you know, has some very useful tools for um, checking formatting. And sometimes they're not as well known as they should be. And what are some of the special issues for students? Students have a whole new set of challenges. Uh, they have style guidelines that they have to adhere to strictly. Most common are APA, MLA, Chicago. And you know what I found is that the guidelines are out there, but they're not translated adequately for students who are visually impaired. And you actually have a section in the book where you describe each of those style guidelines. Uh, yes, I do. And with a particular accent on, you know, how accessible they are, because each of them have uh, websites that you can go to to search for various, you know, style guide type questions. But they vary quite uh, substantially in terms of accessibility. Right. So your book isn't a guide on how these documents should be put together and what the styles are, but basically you're giving people the tools and the pointers to learn where they can figure out what the styles are about and how to make sure their documents abide by those styles. Well, a little, a little bit of both, because again, you know, they can go to websites, for example, that of the Chicago Manual of Style, which is by far the most accessible and ask some very detailed questions, not just about formatting, but about grammar and punctuation and the like. But then also, chapter by chapter, I sort of go through the building blocks, the basics of what you need to do to put together a, you know, a well-formatted document. Again, from the basics, like, you know, how do you do font, font formatting? How do you do paragraph formatting? To more complicated things. And I found the most complicated by far was putting together tables. Uh, that chapter was especially challenging for me, but needed to be written. So I tried to write it. <laughs> you probably learned a lot yourself in putting this book together. I definitely did learn a lot. And, you know, one of the original impetuses was, uh, as I said, we have a computing for college program in the summer. And a couple of years ago, uh, one of the students asked me, um, so can you tell me how you format an APA paper? And my reaction was, well, what's an APA paper? <laughs> and, you know, I realized I had some catching up to do because, you know, these are things that are required of students now. There's no negotiation about it. You need to do it in APA style or MLI style or 
whatever the instructor told you to do. And um, there wasn't that much out there for translating all of that information into how a JAWS user or an NVDA user would go about doing it. So I tried to, to fill that gap. You talked a lot about these style manuals. What kind of information is generally found in these style manuals? Well, the Chicago Manual of Style, you know, that is a reference not just for formatting, but for all the ins and outs of punctuation, grammar, when you capitalize things. You know, that is really a style guide and a grammar guide for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Covering just formatting, that's really just one aspect of all the things that go into uh, what is in the Chicago Manual oh, okay. style. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's all these Byzantine things about when you use semicolons and all of this type of stuff. I don't go into any of that. I don't go into how to do punctuation or, you know, when should you capitalize White House or right, <laughs> those right, strange right. things. Sounds like there's a lot there and a lot of detail for people to keep track of. Right. Pete, as many of our listeners are, is blind, and I'm fully sighted, and I've been using Word for what seems like forever, but I do remember the typewriter days. And so much of the way Word is set up, they expect you to do things visually. You know, WYSIWYG stands for what you see is what you get. And they really kind of set it up to do it with a mouse, with some other pointing device. But you've written this entire book from the perspective of somebody who's doing everything from the keyboard and all of the feedback is audio. Uh, yes, that's correct. Because, of course, you know anybody can go online to a YouTube video and get it all described from a visual point of view, you know, how you do this and that, you know, drag this here and drop that there and hit the red button. And that type of stuff doesn't work for a, a JAWS user. But, you know, all of that said, um, there are some very, very powerful tools, both that are word tools, I mean, that sighted people can use and so on, uh, as well as some JAWS and NVDA specific tools what would be some examples of formatting issues that people should pay special attention to? My favorite is headings and styles. And I only learned about putting in headings and styles two or three years ago. And when I learned about that, I had one of these, you know, slap my forehead type of moments where I thought, oh, my goodness, I wish I had known about this 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, cited also because it's just a very, very powerful tool for ensuring consistency in your document. And that's whether you're sighted or blind. But the advantage if you are blind is that, you know, a sighted person, you know, after they format a document, you know, they can just, you know, breeze through all the pages and eyeball what's going on there. A blind person can't do that. And if you use uh, headings and styles, it's just a fantastic tool for ensuring greater consistency of your document, as well as making it much more um, efficient going about the, the formatting. So, you know, you can cobble together a number of these things that are Word tools as well as some JAWS and NVDA tools for formatting. And you can get pretty close to a well-formatted document. Uh, and a number of these things just aren't that known about as well as they should be by blind folks. For people who may not know what a style exactly is, can you tell us what that contains and why people would want to use a style? A style is 
is sort of the sum or the amalgamation of all the font formatting and all the paragraph formatting for that particular element. So that could be a heading one or that could just be your regular text. So if it's your regular text, for example, the point size, you know, how big is the type? The name of the font, so um, you know that Times New Roman, Arial, etc., are your more common ones. Uh, whether it's bolded, italicized, etc. So it gives a document some sort of self consistency throughout. Right. Styles are ultimately for giving sighted people a visual cue that a new chapter is beginning, or something like that. Other elements are, are your paragraph formatting. You know, what, what's the line spacing? What's the justification? And a few other things. And again, those are intended to give visual cues, but they're also very useful tools for uh, screen reader users you know, to be sure that they're consistently formatting their document um, and making it look professional and so on. And they're also a great navigational tool. If you get a list of headings, you can really move through your document much more quickly than um, you know other ways that you could move through it. So it's a very, very nice uh, tool. Um, it's my favorite. <laughs> Well, and it's a tremendous time saver and avoider of human error, because if you know you're going to the next chapter and you say you want heading level two, it's going to come out exactly the same font as the previous chapter heading. And you don't have to remember, was that 12 point or 14 point or bold or not? It's just automatic and it's a much shorter way of describing what you want this particular bit of text to look like. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, before I knew about those things, I would manually sort of do all of that stuff without knowing that I was putting in headings. And if I needed to change, let's say, a heading, you know, what ultimately you say a heading two, and there were 50 of them in the document, and I had to go through manually and do every one of them, that's a lot of time, and there's a lot of room for error. And by using the headings and styles, it's just much quicker, much more efficient, and um, really a great, a great tool. So for me, that's sort of the best formatting tool since the invention of sliced bread or something like that. <laughs> it's just a great tool. But there are others. And I would just like to add that everything we just talked about, about how useful styles are in Word documents, if you are also creating websites they're just as useful there. Yeah, exactly. What particularly caught my attention in your book was the fact that, as you said, you covered both the intricacies of how to use the tools that are built into Word to make your document look presentable, but you also covered the features of people's screen readers and tools that are built into the screen readers to be able to help with this process. I mean, for example, I've been using JAWS for probably 20 or 30 years now, ever since it came out, and I kind of knew the text analyzer was there and the speech sound schemes were built in, but I've never used them, and I never really appreciated how that would be used in helping you to check the formatting of documents. Yeah, they're, they're really great tools, and, you know, you've probably used insert F for checking formatting. You've probably used that one and you knew that one. That's about the only one, yes. Right. Um, and that's a very powerful tool. However, that gives you a pinpoint uh, idea of what your you know, current font and paragraph settings are. Um, but it doesn't give you a more general or more macro view. So the speech and sound schemes, which will reveal to you as you're going down through the document, 
has my font changed or suddenly things become bolded or whatever. It will indicate that to you. So the speech and sound schemes, as well as the text analyzer, sort of give you a more macro view of the formatting. So, you know, if you put all of that together with headings and styles, then you stand a much better chance of, you know, having a document that's formatted well. And, you know, I have to say, because, you know, I formatted a lot of documents cited in the past, there's a good chance they're going to do a better job than a lot of cited folks. Because most cited people, as far as I know, they don't know anything about headings and styles. (laughs) Yep. And cited people will also do uh, some other funny things just because visually they can get away with it. We can't, so we sort of have to work that a little extra bit to make sure we we don't mess it up. I, I sort of have a little analogy there that, you know, when I could see, I was tripping all over stairs and stuff all the time. Um, but because I'm blind now and I have to use a cane, I have to be more cautious. I've tripped over things a lot less than back when I could see. And it, it's sort of a similar thing with the formatting. You know if you can't see it, you need to try a little bit extra hard to make it look right. And so a bit of an al- analogy there. Well, and I think a lot of visually impaired people, particularly people who are totally blind, don't realize the importance of how things look to sighted people. I mean, if you think of advertising and posters and commercial packaging, there's a lot of work put into the way things look. And there's a reason for that. It makes it more appealing to people. It makes it seem more professional to people. And I think the same goes for documents and manuscripts that people are reading and writing and sharing with their colleagues. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, now, of course, that documents are formatted on computers and many of them are read on computers, you have a lot more tools than what you had in the past. For example, you can use color as something that signals a new section is coming. And of course, that wasn't the case back when you had just a typewriter. But, you know, the more of these choices that you have, the more complicated potentially it becomes. And, you know, these are reasons why you need to know some of these uh, techniques. But as I say, JAWS and NVDA, I think they've done a good job of sort of keeping up with that and developing tools so that screenier your users can put together pretty professional documents. Well, maybe I'll experiment with some of those tools that are built into JAWS, like the text analyzer and the speech and sounds manager. And uh, next time I make a document, I may just give it a shot. So the other thing about your book that struck me is you have an enormous appendix where you just list by category all of the keystrokes, which is so handy because if you're reading the book and you've gotten several pages past a description of some keystroke and you forgot what it was exactly, rather than go back and have to go through all the text to find it again, it's right there in the appendix. And then afterwards, you can use it as a handy reference. Yeah, I mean, I really like having, you know, for my own learning purposes, I like having cheat sheets. So, you know, I viewed that as a as a cheat sheet because, of course, you know, these keystrokes are scattered all over the place in the document. And uh, you would go nuts trying to figure out how do I get back to, you know, that particular thing for the shortcut key for creating a font. So it's about, I think, about five pages or so. I forget uh, at the end. So, you know, all the major keystrokes are listed there. Yeah, it's quite extensive. And as you pointed out in the introduction, this may not be a book that people necessarily read from beginning to end, 
but you made it very easy to navigate by headings and look for the particular aspects of formatting that you might be interested in and just focus on those. Yeah, that's true. Now for this week's final item, how to get David Kingsbury's book and how to contact him if you have any questions. So maybe I can remind our listeners once more what the name of the book is and tell us where they might be able to get this valuable resource. So the title is Format Your Word Documents with JAWS and NVDA, a guide for students and professionals. And you can get it on the website of the National Braille Press, that's nbp.org. Org, And there is a page there where technology books are listed, and mine is one of the ones that is in there. I guess I should say if the book was jointly published by the National Braille Press and the Carroll Center for the Blind. And what formats is it available in? The book is available in several different formats, electronically in Word, also in eBraille, in DAISY. And it's also available hard copy in Braille, and it varies between 18 and $20, depending on the format. So quite affordable, even for students. Yes, I think so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. And if people had questions for you, how can people get in touch with you? I could be reached by email at uh, david.kingsbury at carol.org. So that is D-A-V-I-D, period. K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y at carol.org, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, period, O-R-G. And if people want to learn more about the Carroll Center? Uh, then you can visit the Carroll Center website, and that's www.carroll.org. And do you or the Carroll Center or the National Braille Press have a social media presence? Yes. uh, Carroll Center is available on Facebook and Twitter. And I'd like to just reinforce what a great resource the National Braille Press can be, www.nbp.org. They have lots of books and manuals and cheat sheets on computers and technology that can be very helpful if you're in any of these fields. And they're often in multiple formats, Braille, audio, e-Braille, etc. So search their site for what you might be interested in and see if they have something that just might help you. And as usual, you'll find all that contact information, in case you missed it in the audio, in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. We'll also have a link in the show notes that's a direct link to a place on the National Braille Press where you can buy the book. Make it easy for our listeners. That's it for show number 1924. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about how you can prepare for vision loss if you know it's coming, but it hasn't happened yet. Many sighted people have a hard time imagining how they would tackle life if they couldn't see. Losing your vision, however, does not mean the end of the world. We'll talk about how you can prepare for eventual vision loss by preparing your home, using adaptive aids, becoming aware of your other senses, accessible technology, and more.
If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.